Hello and welcome to Message Received. Audience have brought you this special podcast series to fulfil your needs to learn about internal communication, leadership communication, resiliency, productivity, work-life integration and how to get the most out of your organisation. We really hope you love listening to this series as much as we loved recording it. Thank you so much for subscribing. We are really excited to bring you this multi-channel approach to communication. Welcome to Message Received. I'm your host, Tim Ferguson. And in this podcast, we talk about communication and leadership and employee engagement and all sorts of wonderful topics under the audience umbrella. And today I have Natalie Aford with me again. We had a great conversation that you might want to listen to about work-life integration. And today we have a great topic, which we'll get to in a minute. But first, welcome to the show. Welcome back, Natalie. How are you? Thanks, Tim. I'm very good and happy to be with you today. Excellent. So our topic today is managing client expectations in the virtual world, which we all entered without wanting to i don't yes in in march it's unbelievable to me that it's been what six months uh since we began this journey together and we thought that the challenges that were it would bring a a specific example of a universal communication challenge Mm -hmm. that if we talked about this and that our team internally and audience might find it useful but we think our clients might find it useful as well right hopefully yes so so let me frame the topic briefly and then we'll we'll get into it client expectations are the lifeblood of any agency it's the most important thing expectations can be high they can be low that doesn't matter what matters is that you understand them so that you can meet them or ideally exceed them and we think it also goes the other direction as well that client expectations of the agency are kind of equally important and it's like any relationship the more you understand what each other is expecting of well of the overall relationship and then the the thing that you're working on together and then the details around how you work together uh, all of that requires a, a consistent meeting or exceeding of expectations for the re- for the relationship to be positive and we achieve that obviously through communication and the virtual world has thrown us into uh yeah well both opportunities i guess as well as challenges for that and that's what we're going to explore today and natalie you are ideally suited to to this discussion because you're in our account management team can you just start by explaining to people in your own words like don't read the job description uh to us what's the real job of an account person like what what do you do that's a great question team thanks um so from my perspective the role of the account manager is to understand the client needs and come up with the best um, solution for his peer, his or her projects, um, and and also, I guess later in the stage, build the best team to answer that need. And for me, it requires um, a lot of communication. So making sure to have an open, you know, channel with the client, and 
in understanding their needs, their expectations as well, um, and, and making sure that we, we are able, by building the best team, to meet those expectations and hopefully exceed them, uh, which, which is, uh, most I guess, most of the time a challenge. Um, and especially for me, I, I really felt the difference now um, working totally virtually. Um, but I guess we, we're going to come to that <laughs> in a second. Yeah, in, indeed we will. And l- let's just go into it a little bit around, because you're someone for whom this isn't a nice to have. This is a need to have. It's, it's the center of your job, understanding the needs and the expectations of a, of a client. Mm-hmm. So when you, like, how do you know you've got it right? Like how, if I said, what are the client needs here? And you tell me, well, how, what's your confidence interval? Like, how does that work? How do you feel like you really know, or maybe you're guessing or you're like, there, there must be times mm. when you feel super confident. I know exactly what this person needs and what their expectations are. And there must be other times where, you know, you're kind of, you're making assumptions. Like, how, mm. how do you think about that? Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I feel that we, as an account manager, um, and because of the era- environment we're currently working in, we never get, like, we cannot never be 100% confident because the needs of our clients are evolving um, through the discussion we have, right? Because they will they will have a specific need, like, I want to do a great meeting, for example. But as long as you start discussing, you know, what are the objectives, who is the audience, and dig into, you know, the way we're working, like, our audience triangle, the needs will will be different. So I guess um, this kind of pre-project setup, the needs are not confirmed or, uh, you know, 100% set in stone. Um, But as soon as we're entering the the real project phase, when the project has been scoped, there's still a bit of room for adjustment, let's say. But this is where the the scope and the understanding must be clearer. Um, And... From from my standpoint, um, I will always, you know, rephrase um, their need or go back to go back to the client and making sure this is aligned. Because if we are missing something at this stage of the process of the project, um, the project cannot go on the the right direction. So it's it's really essential that at the beginning of the project we are clear on. This is our objective. This is what we want to do together, but also structuring um, the way we are going to work together because we are, um, as account manager, we are working with very different types of, of clients and stakeholders. Um, some of them will uh, prefer emails. Some others will only talk to you via chat, for example. Um, so we need to understand and, and kind of even if I can say contract, the way we're going to work together. Um, and this is, for me, this is something that really needs to happen at the beginning of the project. I, I like that uh, contract concept and the idea of a social contract. So what's, exactly. the so what's the social contract between us? What's the agreement of how we're going to treat each other, basically? Uh, so to, but to back up, so two, two trains of thought, and maybe we can explore both. At first, I would like to, I would like to get more into the problem of understanding needs and expectations. Like, what are the barriers to that? And then the second is, I'd love to 
make it well maybe we start with this actually i'd like to make a, a distinction between what is a need and what is an expectation <laughs> and then we'll go to the barriers that why it's difficult to to make sure you correctly understand them so if i asked you if i said okay natalie we have we have client needs and we have client expectations we 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 sometimes use those words interchangeably but i i think they're actually they're different Mm. concepts if you will how would you how would you describe the difference between a client need and a client expectation that's a very good question tim <laughs> um if i guess the the client need will be related to what they want to achieve to the to the project itself so what they want to do and whereas the expectation is maybe the how to make this happen um, in the, you know, in the, in the communication, in the ways of working, in the, um, in, yeah, in, in the kind of the rollout of, of the project, how to achieve those, those needs, if that makes I, sense. I love that. I think that's a great way to put it. And you, you sort of make me think of Simon Sinek's golden, golden circle, you know, yes. why, the why, the how, the, why. the what. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like the, so if we have a shared why together of the client, why are we doing this event? Why are we doing this project? Why are we engaging these employees? And we're clear on that. That's kind of our purpose. And then expectations are the how. So here's what I expect of you. I expect you'll be honest with me and I expect that you'll be prompt and I expect that you'll be flexible and I expect mm -hmm. you'll, you'll always let me know about problems uh, when they're, when, before they get too big. And then the what is the details. Okay, so what are we doing together? We're, we're do yeah, it's, I don't know. That's pretty cool the way you, you put that. So then it sounds so easy, right? And an audience, anyone, <laughs> anyone who's worked with us knows that we love this George Bernard Shaw quote that the single greatest problem in communication is the illusion it's taken place. Yeah. And, the re and the reason that we like it, it, it is it kind of points to the idea that just because people agree or they're quote-unquote aligned, it doesn't mean that they agree, and it doesn't mean that they're aligned, and there's always this room for misunderstandings and miscommunication. Mm -hmm. So if it's so easy for us to say we need to know the need and we need to know the expectations, and yet and yet it doesn't always turn out that way, what are the barriers? What gets in the way in, in normal times? For, forget virtual. Um, I guess we are all coming, everyone is coming with their own backgrounds. So um, I guess... The, the history that we have uh, behind us uh, would kind of lead us to have some, you know, understanding or um, expect, yeah, expectation of the, of, of, of the expectation, in fact. So if I would um, go and say, um, um, I, I'm going to be transparent with you on this project, what does transparent means to you? So I guess it's about making a statement and clarifying, right? And sometimes it's clarification step is not done. So you assume that what transparent means for me will mean what transparent means for you, which I don't think is the case. Right. Yes. And, and, and then there's sort of layers of transparency and how, how I, so I'll give you an, an example and you, t you tell me what you think. I'm a great believer that a great believer in transparency. I always want to be honest with clients. And then I tried to, uh, although you have to make an evaluation around what's helpful to share and not helpful to share. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So let, let's say there might be a delay on a deliverable and there's, there's still room to, to land it where we could still come on time, but there is a chance it might be late. I struggle. I'd be on the one hand, I'm like, okay, I should be transparent and tell the client this might be late. But then on the other, I think, well, this is going to stress this person out and it, you know, we might bring it in on time and, So what I'm going to do is I'm not going to tell them right now. I'm going to focus on trying to solve the problem so that, and it's a real struggle. Like, Mm. can you be, can you be overly transparent? Do you think? Um, So I had a couple of examples later on some of my projects with regard to that. So on my side, I would be transparent from the beginning that um, there are some potential delays, but we are working very hard to solve them. And then, kind of put an action plan and, and update them, you know, regularly. So um, it can be a plan B, it can be wh- whatever. But I think if you wait, you know, worst case scenario, there is there is going to be a delay. You cannot go the day of, let's say, your deliverable and say, oh, we're not going to make it today. It will be much more welcome, if I can say that, a f- couple of days before you said, so we, we might have an issue on that. This is the plan. This is how we plan to keep it on track. And if it's not the case, this is the plan B. So the first, I guess, response is going to be worried by the client, but then it's backed up by a plan. So there shouldn't be that much worry. Whereas if you go just the the day of the deliverables and and you don't have a plan B because that was the day of the delivery. So it's it's about finding the, the right balance, I guess, around that. And everyone could potentially do it differently. But this is from the learnings I had on several of my projects, this is what I would do. I think that's great. So it's sort of like default one, default transparency. And then two, always have a plan B or plan C or, C plan, or plan D. D. Right. Yeah. So so always say here's the potential negative outcome and here's what we're doing to mitigate it. And here's what we'll do if if that bad outcome does arrive. I think that's very cool. Okay. So last question on defining the problem when in the other direction, I mean, I I often feel that clients don't quite know what to expect of audience because they have, so let's say I go into a hotel. I've been to many hotels. So I go into a hotel. So on the one hand, I'm in a hotel, but on the other hand, it's like, well, no, I'm in a specific hotel. I'm in, let's say, so if I go to the Sofitel in Singapore, my expectations are super high because it's fantastic and the service is great and there's so many things I love about it. But I, I won't mention any names. I, you know, I may go to a brand of hotel that in a specific location that I know is not very nice and my expectations are very low. And I, and I may be... I mean, I I may be satisfied in either of those cases because I know what to expect. But then occasionally, you know, you show up at a hotel and your expectation is not met at all. And I'll feel like I'm being unfair to the hotel because I'm expecting the Sofitel in Mm. in uh, in Singapore. And that's just unrealistic expectation. So I, I guess my question is, what responsibility do we have to set? the proper expectations of what like what the client should should like maybe either raise or lower their expectations of what they'll get from us have you have you put thought to that 
Um, my first comment would be that when we're working on the project, we are working with other agencies as well. So we're not working just, you know, us and the client. So I guess the ex expectation settings need to go to that entire group um, because we cannot make a decision on, on the creative uh on a creative concept, for example, that is going to have a, a big impact on the on the AV company or you know the other um, project stakeholders. So, so my first comment is really around making this group um, uh, expectation um, well, defining the the groups the group expectation, and when it comes to like lowering or hiring the expectation. I, it, for me, it really depends on, on the budget, right? So the client cannot expect to have a Ferrari if he wants to pay for, a, uh, I don't know what other, like, you know, like a, a Peugeot or a, a, a Citroën. Sorry, I'm naming French brands now. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, they need to be conscious of what it means to have, if they want a Ferrari, what it means, what it, what it in, in, um, implies, right? Um, whereas if they want something not as prestigious um what does that mean also from a delivery perspective and i wonder on that one if if we go back to our distinction between needs and expectations mm -hmm. so let's say the client has a need for a ferrari that's the actual need that's what is needed but they have the budget for a citron and it's almost like okay so that's the problem that we have to help them solve because it's an actual need, the Ferrari, and it's a reality that the budget will only afford a Citroën. And now we have to get creative of how to accomplish that versus my, my need is actually for a Citroën, but I would just, I just want a Ferrari, right? Like I just, yeah. I would just prefer, you know? And like, how do you, how do you help someone think all that through? And if it's like the what and the how and help, I don't know, maybe helping them make that distinction mm. is to say, are we talking about what you need or are we talking about mm. what you want? And are we talking about what you expect from us as in what we'll, we'll, we'll deliver? Or is it more, I don't know, something like that. I, I, I feel like there's often just a, um, a misalignment somewhere about what is what we're really talking about. Mm. I feel like our um, audience triangle approach could should totally answer that question because as soon as you go into the details and start to understand who's the audience, what is the objective, what content are we going to bring in, this is this is kind of laying down your the, the path right for for your meaning or for for defining your needs. So if you go into the details of that there shouldn't be any so huge gap between the needs and the expectation, I hope. So, so it's, uh, yeah, exactly. I, so it sounds like a lot of dialogue required. Yes. Which is sometimes a bit more difficult lately than it was in the past because we're now in a virtual setting. So let's, let's turn to exactly that now, Natalie, doing all of this communication and dialogue in a virtual world. So I think the way you've described so far 
the nature of the communication is that it makes me feel like it requires a lot of EQ, not just IQ, but a lot of EQ, a lot of uh, adjusting your approach to meet the, the personality of the person, reading between the lines, uh, being very open and honest and transparent, having the time to have the discussion. And I think this is why we, pr- we, we prize face-to-face discussions so mm-hmm. much. So now it's gone all virtual. So what's that been like? Can you just give us a first impression of how has the last six months changed your world as an account manager? Um, it's been, well, I think everything has changed and it's been challenging. Um, I used to be a lot um, next to our clients. So I would, I would spend a day or two of my week sitting next to our client in the same building and it's so easy to, you know, stop at a desk, just check something quickly. Whereas now um, everything is via whatever platform, but virtual, you know, virtual platform. And the our clients, or at least my clients, agenda is like packed all yeah. day long. Um, and what outside of those, of the... Um, of the planned meetings, there's not a lot of room for the connection, you know, that human connection, the coffee break, the uh, the high in the corridor or something, there's no room for that. So it feels, for me, I really feel like a, a bigger distance with my client, even if I'm talking to them sometimes, you know, daily uh, via the chat or through the meeting, but there's there is this a connection that has, you know, fade away with the, the virtual part, I guess. Yeah, I, I call this the walk to the elevator. And it's yeah. often, it's like where the truth of the situation is is often revealed or, or the the most important question is addressed or the the most important comment is mm-hmm. made. It, it, it's it's the same as for the, the networking part of the live events, right? So there is the, the live event and all the discussions are happening at the networking. Whereas we, we had the same, sorry, the same for um, when we were face to face with our meeting. So we had uh, with our clients, we had the official meeting and through through the way out of the room, this is where you kind of, you know, make decision, add comments and, and take, you know, t- take something even more from the client. And this we, we don't have anymore. Well, and, and in fact, it's so important. So not to bore you to death with uh, academia, but when I in in my Many years ago, my liberal arts my liberal arts degree, I studied some anthropology, and this is what you would call a liminal space. So a liminal space is betwixt and between. It's neither here nor there. It's between A and B, and that there's good uh, anthropological research to suggest that these liminal spaces in all societies, in all of history, are crucially important to uh, the coherence of a group and the cohesion of a group and a lot of rituals, a lot of patterns in our life are about. So let's going from the liminal space, let's say, between being single and being married. We recognize that we do all sorts of rituals around that, right? You take people out for a stag party and you have the baby sh- or, or between, you know, not being a mom and being a mom. There's mm-hmm. a shower uh, so there's these times in our life that we recognize as betwixt and between, and they're very important. And the idea is that they're high potency in their 
it's almost like we're more receptive to ideas. We're more receptive to others in these spaces. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, like like you you think of you, you think of things like bar hopping, right? We're all at the bar. We're having a great time. Then we're going to go to the next one. And you have the most important conversation with your best friend mm-hmm. on the walk from one to the other. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 an interesting thing, and we are, I think, all miss, missing that. So, how are what are you doing to either replicate it or correct for it? Have you any had any success there? Because that's right now. I think people listening are like, oh, I hope she's figured something. Because <laughs> we are so challenged with this. I'm sorry, I don't have the magic answer or the magic key. <laughs> But what I'm trying to do, um, what I've learned in the past months is um, want to never work with assumptions. Uh, so whenever something needs to be clarified, let's clarify it um, via email, chat, whatever. But um, as you rightly say, the way um, we're bringing or the way we're communicating might not be perceive or welcome the way we want to so if there is a doubt let's just clarify and not work on assumptions so that's one um and two would be to to adapt to the way of working of our clients so they are we are working in a virtual world they are working in the virtual world too uh, and maybe they have preference into oh uh let you know if you have something quickly to check with me just send me a chat via Send, just send me a chat or a text um, or, uh, oh, I prefer um, dealing, um, you know, difficult or good conversation on the phone. So let's have a call. You know, this the, the setup we are now is, is, you know, we all feel the Zoom fatigue at some point. Yes. Um, and we have to take this into consideration. I don't want to add an extra... 30 minutes at the end of the day because I, this is the only slot where my client is available. Um, you know, let's have a chat uh, either tomorrow morning during your, co- your coffee break or if via text, if it works, just try to adapt um, to their preferred ways of working, which can be difficult because we are managing several stakeholders and they all, ha- all have their own preferences. Um, so it's just about finding, yeah, identifying and adapting to uh, to their their way of working I think there's I think you do have a couple of keys there uh, the rule of no assumptions and then being adaptive to both channels as well as schedules so how we're going to communicate and like when we're going to communicate I think that's actually huge mm-hmm. what about conflict what about when so in terms of channel and like, I, I think when things are going well, it's easy, right? Text, email, yep. uh, quick, bang, bang. But when things are off the rails or, or there's, a, there's a conflict of some kind, what, what have you been doing there in the last six months? What, what's your instinct for, for that? Um, and thanks for asking the question because I had situations like this in the past, in the past months. Um, what I would do um, if there is a conflict between, let's say, the entire project team um, would be maybe to check first with the group and then also follow up individually. Mm. Um, Because you can get more sense of, you know, like the group will be aligned, but everyone might still have a different either understanding or still expectation, right? 
um, how to move forward. So um, try to align the group and then follow up with either individual calls or, or as we have the chance here um, in Basel to um, still meet or some of our client face to face with social distancing, but maybe having a coffee or a lunch just to, you know, have this extra layer of, of conversation if possible. Yeah, I, I think that wherever you can do that, we, we absolutely should. I'm instituting a new thing of walk and talk. And I've got my first one coming Tuesday and then another one week after where I've invited clients, hey, let's be let's be outside. Let's meet by the be by the Rhine and walk and talk. I know some people listening to this, they're in situations where that's not possible, but we do need to be adaptive and we need do need to 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 think outside the box. It's it's I think Tim, it's a brilliant idea. And whenever we have an instant where we can take our clients out of their usual yeah setup they might be also more open to you know this and see something just different because we all are in front of our screen all day long and just having like a fresh yeah a fresh perspective on on uh, on, on on something is is, is it can be life-changing right yes yes definitely and escape the screen anything you know i've been joking that the the phones it's called an iphone it's not called an iText. It's called an iPhone. Phone. And it still it still has this functionality where you can call someone on your phone and mm-hmm. not see them on the screen. And you can talk to them. And guess what? It's a mobile phone. You can walk around. <laughs> you so, can you, walk. so you can actually just say to someone, you know what? Why don't we have our next call both somewhere like a park, both walking? And it's great. I've been doing it actually. To be honest, I've, I'm not doing it with client calls. I'm doing it with uh, internal calls. And if I get two of those in a day, two 30-minute walking and talking on my phone, it changes my whole day. So, Natalie, now what I'd like you to do is put on your, well, you can get out your crystal ball, you can get out your binoculars, whatever you want to see the future, put on your your forecasting hat. I think when COVID-19 started, a lot of us hoped it was going to be a sprint. Oh, it'll be over by July. Oh, it'll be over by September. Then we realized, uh oh, this is a marathon. This is going to be. I can remember the first conversations that we had, acknowledging it might be all of 2020 before we have another live event. And now, now it's maybe this ultra marathon, and people are saying, hey, maybe all of 2021 stays this way. So, I know that neither of you. We're not epidemiologists. We're not virologists. We're not experts on any of that. But we, we both, I think, share the goal of the next year being a good year, like being, being a happy, productive, positive year. Yes. And we, so what, how are you seeing your relationships with your clients over the long term? Like, how are we going to find new clients? How are we going mm. to... Uh, make those make those tie you know make those connections with people what we've we, they, they call them the weak ties right so I can call a client who I know really well fine they'll take my call but the weak that's a strong tie the weak tie client who we've met once or twice and they might not even remember my name but I'd, I'd love to you know I'm not just going to bump into them 
have you been giving any thought to how you could do this in a sustainable way over a, a long period mm-hmm. of time? Yes. So first comment would be we've almost um, acknowledged that it's never going to be back to normal. There won't be any normal. The new normal is what we're living now. Our ways of working or the events we're producing, the way we are communicating is, is evolving now and it will never be back as it was before. So we first need to accept this reality, which is difficult. <laughs> uh, it's not easy. And and secondly, um, we have to do great work so that people speak about us, right? So great work means being able to meet and exceed our clients' expectation, um, make great events, virtual events, at, be at, you know adaptive to their situation. So still producing, showing them our level of support by producing different events and showing them different tactics and being um, in that, uh, going back to the first point, being realistic about how it's going to be in the future and not uh, being stuck in the idea that, yes, we'll have face-to-face as we had before. No, we they're hopefully going to be face-to-face again, but it will be in a different setup. And I, I guess... From my perspective, hybrid event is going to be the way moving forward. So having two different audience, a virtual and in-person, and making, trying to make the same events and communicating the same way, but with two different audience, and in that sense, two different experience. And, and I love your, your use of the word acceptance. Okay, so I'm going to ask, ask you this. I just realized, I, I thought I had accepted the situation. <laughs> But the more I reflect on it, I think what I have accepted is that I need to accept the situation. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think I've actually accepted the situation. I think I've only progressed as far as accepted that I do, in fact, need to accept mm-hmm. it. So it's almost like when you know, it's like when I, I remember quitting smoking and it was like, okay, step one was accepting that I need to quit. It, it was like, it was like acknowledging, okay, this is real, man. I actually need to do this. Where are you on the continuum? Have you actually accepted the situation or do you feel that that's intellectual still, that you know you need to, but but you're not there yet? Like, how, how, do, how does it sit with you? Um, I think I've accepted the situation this summer, through the summer, um, by just realizing that all of our, the meetings we had talking of doing an hybrid uh, Q4 2020, gone where i've been going virtual same for q1 2021 and i'm like i was like okay so it looks like it's gonna take longer um but i guess by accept accepting the situation you can also be a bit more realistic and and start um kind of building your plans and your mind train kind of training your mind to move towards that direction because until that moment when you accept you kind of reject the idea of that there won't be face-to-face events, for example, in 2021. Um, so yeah, acceptance is, um, and I would be curious to know in our team how many people did have this uh, uh, aha moment uh, and accepted the, the situation, in fact. 
Yeah, it would be a great, it'd be actually a great conversation to have and, and talk about if we go way back to expectations and needs, we may have very different ideas about what accepting the situation means. So yeah. for some people, it may be accepting, it's like you're getting on a plane and you realize that you have the middle seat and you're like, oh, <laughs> and then, and then you're, you're going to protest, but then you realize the plane is full. There's no option. And then you accept it and you're like, you're not happy, but you know, I'll accept it. And then there's kind of like, accept it like, oh, you know what? I'll try to make the best of it. Mm. And then there's accepting it. Like, you know what? The middle seat's actually kind of awesome. I can talk to people on either side of me and you know, like there's different levels of acceptance. So are you excited by the new normal or are, have you begrudgingly accepted what it is? I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. In, in fact, um, so I came, um, <clears throat> I came at audience a year ago and I experienced my first live events. Um, and after six months, I had to turn to virtual. So let's say those big, the big meetings we're um, doing on a, on a yearly basis, I only had a chance to see it once or, tw or twice during my, the six months where we were in a normal setup, let's say. Um, so I'm excited because everything we're doing at the moment and in the future is new for us audience, but it's also new for our clients. So there is room to really shape something that is, you know, meaningful and that is, uh, is going to make an impact. And, and just going back to your previous comments, I think it's, there's also this notion of control. We have to accept some, like the situation with COVID is, un, is not under our control. It's not something we can act upon. We have to live with it. We have to accept it and live with it um, and make not make the most of it. But, you know, this is the situation. And how can I, what is my behavior? How can I act? How can I, what can I do to be the, the best version of myself within that situation? Because you and I won't change this COVID situation, unfortunately. I, I find what you're saying very motivational. And I can imagine that for any clients working with, with you, that they would as well, that if you're able to say, hey, look, so if we could bring this full circle and we say, okay, our needs have changed and our expectations of what is possible have changed. So the what we want to achieve and how we're going to achieve it, everything is different. But you know what? If we accept that, we can become excited by it and realize there's all sorts of interesting possibilities mm. and that we all get to be creative, you know? I can't remember who said it, but they said, for everyone who used to say, let's get outside the box, congratulations, we're outside the box. <laughs> like, there is no box. So this is what you said you always wanted, right? You mm. always said, hey, we want to be outside the box. We want to be outside the box. Well, thank you, COVID-19. We, we are. are outside mm. the box. So, But it is so going back, Tim, I think, to this acceptance that no one has the same, potentially, acceptance level. And some people are still hoping, and we can see that, you know, discussing with the other account manager, there's still clients who are hoping to do a face-to-face -face meeting next year, which for me sounds really optimistic. We know for some for some of our clients that uh, Q1, Q2, 2021 will be virtual anyway. Um, so it's also how can we bring that acceptance, uh, you know, discussion or acknowledgement on on the client side. Yeah, it's a huge point, and I think that the the idea of that unknown and 
it's like wishing, right? It's like, and I used earlier, you talked about what's within our control and what's without mm-hmm. our control. And maybe that's the conversation that really needs to happen with people around their needs and expectations, which is, so 2021, we're planning the event. If we're hoping we can meet in person, that's outside of our control. That's, we're, we're wishing for the epidemiologists and the, you know, the, the medical staff and the vaccine scientists and developers and researchers. We're hoping that all of them can do something that for us. If you say, well, let's make it virtual, that's in our control. We can, we can, we know that we can do a virtual event in 2021, mm-hmm. whether things are, whether we can meet live or not. And then, and then I guess a, a, another possibility, like you said, hybrid events, but I guess another possibility would be, I'm interested in this idea of planning events with a true plan A, plan B. Plan A is live, plan B is virtual or vice mm-hmm. versa, where you would, where you would be, you know, when they call it a rain, rain or shine event. And it's like, okay, this event is designed to work just as well, rain or shine. It's not mm-hmm. like, it's not like, hey, if it's shining outside, it's going to be a great event. Oh, and if it rains, you know, we can still do it. It won't be as good. No, it's like a rain or shine event. It doesn't matter. It literally doesn't matter. And and I, I think that maybe that kind of ability to pivot, mm-hmm. that, that might get people excited as well. I don't know. Yep. Agreed. So, so Natalie, we're, we, we're coming to our, our final couple of minutes and, uh, I know that you're a person who loves habits, <laughs> techniques and routines. And I just want to close out on that with, um, to, to your, like, do you have like a client expectation checklist? Like, do you have like a daily set of practices that you're doing to make sure you're staying on top of this dialogue and these important communications like what what's your methodology to just to make sure that you don't let something go through the cracks um that's a good uh, that's a good question i need to think about it um so on the daily i wouldn't i, I would maybe more talk on the project approach um for me the the project setup like internally and with the client is really an important key so on that part i was I will always make sure that um, the, sco- the scope is clear on both sides, that we have a clear understanding what does that mean. Um, and even if it has to go like, you know, line by line through the scope, going into the, the details, because in this virtual setup, we also assume that by sending just a scope document, the client will read it and understand it and won't ask any question. I had the um, I had the experience where, I've sent the scope and it was, the scope was from my perspective clear, but it hasn't been gone. Like the clients hadn't read through it like line by line and didn't really understand what was their level of support. Mm. So then what I did is just, you know, have a meeting and clarify, go through the the thing line by line. Um, So project scope setup would be one point. And also uh, more on the daily activities, um, is just making sure to reach out whenever something is not clear, either to the group or to um, to a, a person individually to yeah clarify and make sure we're not working on assumptions. I love that. When in doubt, reach out. Right? Yes. When in doubt, reach out. So listen, this has been a great conversation. I think everyone listening 
has taken a lot away from it uh, on many, many levels, way beyond the, the topic of the, of the day. So thank you for your time, Natalie. And uh, I guess both of us will probably get back to meet, meeting, client, meeting and exceeding client expectations. <laughs> awesome. Thanks a lot, Tim. It was a great, uh, great discussion. Thanks again. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to our podcast, Message Received. Don't forget to subscribe to our series and keep a lookout for the next episode. Thank you.